And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction, a preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with Miss attached to it. Bob, listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ. Comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Well, well, actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really? Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Honey Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360 will conclude... The Fibber McGee and Molly Show from 1947. Then, it's a mysterious episode of Lights Out with host Arch Obler from 1942. By my side is my executive producer, Mike Costello. What's up, Mike? Hey, Carl. Are you ready for Lights Out coming up in a little bit here? For sure. Oh, I, I love like that. I yeah. love the scary radio shows. You know what I like to do? I like to turn out all the lights and pull my covers up close and get in bed. You know, and uh, and I just cl- I put my little eye mask on. <laughs> I have one of these fluffy eye masks. I'm very weird, Mike. Yeah, very, no, I know. very, very. I weird. know this. And I, I put that on so it's completely dark in the room, and then I play the scary radio shows. Ooh, I love it. Yeah, Lisa picked uh, some good shows for uh, this week. I'll say she did. <laughs> All right, but right now we have to tune into the conclusion to Fibber McGee and Molly. Let's go back. To May 13th, 1947. This is called Smuggling Irish Tweed. The conclusion now, Fibber McGee and Molly. Well, to throw Andre's wheels in the mud. That's what he thinks of your Irish tweed, dearie. <laughs> Don't kid yourself, Snooky. He just says that so I wouldn't raise the price when I seen he wanted it. Hey, I better pull down the window shade so the sun don't fade this stuff. You know, some of these high-class materials are like... Dad rat that dad ratted window shade. I gotta fix that thing one of these days. There's no hurry, dearie. I've stopped leaping three feet every time it goes up. Yeah. Now I just twitch a little. Yeah. <laughs> I'll stop at the hardware store sometime and get... Hello, this. folks. Remember me, the man who sells the stuff to raise the dough to buy the time to put you on so I can come in and sell the stuff? <laughs> ah, hello, Mr. Wilcox. You're just the guy I wanted to see, Junior. You're one of the few fellows around here who knows good material. Yes, and I want to talk to you about that. If you can't get me out on a laugh once in a while, Racine will start thinking I'm No, 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 Mr. Wilcox. (laughs) He means clothing material, not comedy material. Although on second thought, maybe it is. You know a good Irish tweed when you see it, Junior? Sure. What's that got to do with it, McGee? What do you mean, what's that got to do with it? (laughs) This is a fine tweed. Here, Junior, take a look at this bolt of cloth. What is it? A good question. Boy, this is the finest Irish tweed ever brung, brought, ever imported out of Ireland. <laughs> Close your eyes and smell that material, Junior. It's got the very fragrance of old Ireland. Well, I don't know if Can't I Can't you be just in... picture those happy weavers singing Meet Me in the Garden Where the Praties Grow? <laughs> As the mist rises over the peat bogs and the wet smacks of tourists kissing the Blarney Stone come wafting across the River Shannon and the little people picking shamrocks on the road to County Clare and the pretty spalpeens lacing up their shillelaghs for a game of morning in the bright morning. 
O'Brien jumps off the roof of Gromit's Chinese theater. <laughs> well, it just smells like cloth to me, pal. Where'd you get it? He bought it from a man in a doorway. Son, I'm in a position to let you have a few yards of this at the reduced rate of ten bucks a yard. Oh, I don't think Now, I'd wait, be. boy. Don't give me your decision right off the bat. Think it over. Thought you were a little fanatic about quality merchandise. Oh, I am. After but... all, Mr. Wilcox, why is Johnson's Wax so outstanding? Why, because it's the finest product of its kind, of course. Exactly. And what do you tell people when you sell it? Why, simply say that Johnson's Wax is the finest wax polish that money can buy. I tell them it's a delight to the proud housekeeper, that it keeps floors, furniture, and woodwork bright, spotless, and gleaming, that it protects, beautifies, and preserves. That it makes a house a home and makes every shining surface reflect hospitality. That's what McGee means, Mr. Wilcox. Appearance is so important. Certainly. First impressions are lasting impressions. You go into a home that uses Johnson's wax and you immediately get the impression of healthful cleanliness. Absolutely. Therefore, a coat made of this Irish tweed... I always say that Johnson's wax is the coat of armor that guards against dust and dirt and dampness. Yeah, but this tweed material is... For all wood and enamel surfaces, Johnson's wax is a must. The best housekeepers have used it for generations. How many pounds do you want? Uh, better give us half a doesn't, eh, Molly? Oh, at least. Okay, yeah. I'll have Kramer's Drugstore send him over first thing tomorrow. Thanks very much. Not at all, Waxy. Glad you told us about it. Come in again. I will. So long. <laughs> Quite a salesman, that lad. <laughs> he makes Johnson's wax sound so good. Hey, I was trying to sell him something. Well, he... <laughs> he out-talked you, dearie. You uh, were up against a professional there. Yeah. Well, I've got to go upstairs and sort the laundry. Lunch will be ready in about a half an hour. Okay, Tootsie. <laughs> ah, there goes a good kid. She thinks I got rooked with this Irish tweed, but who knows best about materials? Her or me? Don't answer that, McGee, because... Come in. Hi, mister. Oh, hi, teeny. Well, what you all dressed up for? Well, I'm going to circus, I bet you. My daddy's taking me. He is, eh? And he ought, hmm? I says he is, eh? Is what? Taking you to the circus. Who? Your daddy. I know it. <laughs> He's taking me and Willie Toops. Okay, okay. You like circuses? Sure I do, I bet you. I think circuses are more fun than anything. Yeah. <laughs> Gee, they get lions and tigers and elephants and hippopotamuses and kalamazoos and... And wolf, 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 wolf. And what's this? Hmm? What were those last animals? Kalamazoos. Oh. That's kind of like a big rabbit with little bitty front feet and they carry their babies in their watch pockets. <laughs> <laughs> you mean kangaroos, sis. Kalamazoo is a town in Michigan. Why? I don't know. That's just the name of it. That's all. Is that where they get all the Kalamazoo's for the circuses? Where? In Kangaroo, Michigan. <laughs> Look, sis, they don't get Kalamazoo. They don't get kangaroos in Kalamazoo. They get Kalamazoo's in Australia. I mean, that's where they get kangaroos. Oh, oh well, why don't they get them in Michigan? That's closer, I bet you. Because they come from Australia. That's the only place they have them. Except Michigan, huh? <laughs> no, they don't have them in Michigan. That's Kalamazoo. You ever see one, mister? See what? A Kalamazoo. <laughs> Certainly. When I was in Vaudeville, they had boxing Kalamazoos. Uh. <laughs> had boxing gloves on their hind feet. Uh. <laughs> I remember one time we were... One time we were playing Kangaroo, Michigan, and the count... Cal- now, wait a minute. <laughs> I... No. 
Look, you better run along, sis. You don't want to be late for the circus. No, no, I don't. I want to have plenty of time to see a lion, an elephant, and a Kalamazoo and a Gerard. There you go again. It isn't Gerard, it's giraffe. There you go again, mister. This is my cousin, Gerard. He's meeting us at the circus. So long. It was nice of you to drop in, Mr. Wimple Thank you, Mrs. McGee (laughs) Lucky too, Wimp For you, I mean I'm going to do something for you No, thank you, Mr. McGee Hmm? People are always doing things for me And I'm always getting into trouble Oh, how's that, Mr. Wimple? Well, just this morning Sweetie Face That's my big old wife (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we know Sweetie Face said Wallace, she said, I'm going to do something for you. And I said, yes, dear. And she said, some of the girls are coming for luncheon. And I'm going to let you make the lemonade. (laughs) And I did, too. Well, what's so amusing about that, Mr. Wimple? Well, I'm going back after lunch and walk right up to her and say, listen, you big moose. After this, you can mix your own lemonade. Wow. What'll she say to that, Wimp? Nothing. She'll be asleep. They'll all be asleep. Heavenly days, you mean? (laughs) Yes. Mickey's. Look, Wimp, I got three bolts of genuine hand-woven Irish tweed here that I bought. From a man in a doorway. Yeah. You know anything about good Irish tweed, Wimp? No, I don't, Mr. McGee. Sweetie Face buys all my clothes. Really? Don't you ever buy any clothes for yourself? I bought a pair of gloves once. Oh. I got so tired of wearing those mittens with a string running through my sleeves. <laughs> what happened when Sweetie Face found that out, Wimp? Oh, she just had a tantrum, Mr. McGee. Yeah. She snatched my bird book out of my hand and <laughs> hit me on the head with it. You're what, Mr. Wimple? My bird book. (laughs) You see, I had been reading about the silver-crested wiki of Pennsylvania, which builds plumbing into its nest with soda straws, and then when she... May I come in? You are in with... That's somebody else. Oh, excuse me. Sure, Mr. Wimple, come in. My gosh, Latrivia. Hi, Latrivia. Hello, Mr. Mayor. Hello, Molly. Hello, McGee. And Wallace. Good day, Your Honor. Haven't seen you since you sneaked out one night and met me in the Chinese restaurant, Wallace. (laughs) I hope there were no unfortunate repercussions to that event. Well, there were, but they've healed up now. (laughs) Like Chinese food, Your Honor? Very fond of it, Molly. In fact, I learned how to cook rice myself. Well, you give me your recipe for rice, and I'll give you my recipe for hot chocolate, Latrivia. What's your recipe for hot chocolate, Mr. McGee? I take hot chocolate, I take chocolate and heat it. (laughs) Put the cart before the horse. (laughs) Now, you tell me your recipe for rice, Latrivia. I hope it isn't quite that complicated. (laughs) Yes, I hope so, too. Oh, it's very simple, Wimple. First, you boil the rice, then you put it in a colander and run cold water through it. What month, Latrive? <laughs> I beg your pardon? Oh, oh, this was last month, April. You punch holes in it, I suppose. <laughs> in what? In the colander. 
I suppose for a large batch of rice, you use a long month out of the calendar, huh? You run out of calendars, Mr. Mayor. I've got a lot of old ones. I don't suppose it matters what year. I am not talking about calendars. I said colander. Well, what's the difference how you pronounce it, boy? Molly says saucepan, and I always say saucepan, but it cooks the same stuff. What, what I was trying to say was that a colander and a calendar are two different things. I know they are, Mr. Mayor. I got one from the bank with a picture of a pretty girl on it, and I got one from the butcher with a cow on it. And Sweetie Face let me keep the one with the cow. <laughs> Look, when I said cowlander, uh, colander, I didn't mean I cooked the goose, ooh, I cooked the rice in the calendar. A colander is a hole with bowls in no. it. A bowl with holes in it. Oh, now, uh, come now, Mr. Mayor. Uh, don't get so excited about it. Every cook has his own way of doing things. If you want to punch holes in a calendar, I'm sure... I don't punch cows in a hollander. <laughs> I mean, when I cook rice, I run through some cold water. I, I mean, I run some cold calendars through some, uh, water through... E? No. No, I can't go through with this sort of thing today. I have much too much on my mind. What's cooking, Latrib, besides you? Oh, we have a small crime wave going on in town, McGee. A series of robberies. Heavenly days, robberies. Any very big ones, Mr. Mayor? No, no. As a matter of fact, these burglars don't seem to have much judgment, Molly. Last night, they broke into the Wistful Vista Sack and Bag Company and took a truckload of burlap. Burlap? Yes. Yes, and they've been selling it to people around town as Irish tweed. <laughs> For two dollars a bolt. Two bucks a bolt. Hey, the dirty crook. After I described the guy, the cops went right out and picked him up, Molly. Him and his pal. Oh, wonderful. So you helped capture the burlap burglars, yep. huh? They got the whole truckload of loot back, too. And you know what I'm going to do with the reward? Reward? Yep. I'm going to give it all to you, kiddo. You've been a good kid. You've been wanting new drapes for the living room, and this reward will come in handy. Oh, McGee, you darling. How much is it? Ten bolts. <laughs> oh, good night, all. This is Marla Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson White products for home and industry, inviting you to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. And that's Faber McGee and Molly from May 13th, 1947, starring Jim and Marion Jordan. And also in the cast, Arthur Q. Bryant, Bill Thompson, and Gail Gordon, sponsored by Johnson's Wax, as heard on NBC. It's really amazing how many radio shows Gail Gordon did. He pops up on so many radio shows. And, uh, I mean, he even was the whistler for a time. Oh. He was the whistler, the voice of the whistler. And then, of course, he was Mayor Latrivia and Fibber McGee and Molly. Right. And he was Rumson Bullard, uh, next-door neighbor to Gildersleeve on The Great Gildersleeve. He was Principal Osgood Conklin on Our Miss Brooks. Here was a guy that was just going from studio to studio to studio, making a living out of uh, performing on the radio. Yeah. And he was one of the best. I mean, Gail Gordon. One of the best. Never got to meet him. I wish I would have. Ah. But he was one guy that, that eluded me. Probably <laughs> said, I'm not going to talk to that crazy right. person. <laughs> uh, all right, let's take a break. When we come back, it's Lights Out. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. 
Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. It's time for Lights Out. This was a horror series. came to NBC Radio in 1934, right here in Chicago, Illinois. It was a local show, and then it got expanded to a national radio show in 1935. And it featured grisly stories spiked with dark, tongue-in-cheek humor. The most horrific show on radio. Willis Cooper was really the impetus to this whole series. He was the guy that created the show. And then in 1936, he left for Hollywood, and they brought in Arch Obler, who really made the series his own. In 1942, he uh, he did a half-hour version sponsored by Ironized Yeast, as heard on CBS, and he wrote memorable stories like Cat Wife and the Chicken Heart and Murder Castle, which was based on H.H. Holmes, America's first serial killer. He wrote about him on a show called Murder Castle. It moved to television in 1946 for Admiral, which was hosted by Frank Gallup from 1952. He used to like to gallop off into the sunset, that Frank Gallup. Why not? We have a radio episode for you now. From November 10th, 1942, this is called Bon Voyage. It's hosted by Arch Obler, part one of Lights Out. Ionized Yeast presents Lights Out, everybody. It is later than you think Lights Out brings you stories of the supernatural and the supernormal dramatizing the fantasies and the terrors of the unknown we tell you this frankly so if you wish to avoid the excitement and tension of these imaginative plays we urge you calmly but sincerely to turn off your radio now. My name, Arch Obler. Bon Voyage is the title of tonight's story. In other words, a good journey. Remember back in the days when one could go vacationing on shipboard? Well, those were the days when two old women began this most amazing Bon Voyage. Tonight I'm... Very curious to see if you'll really feel as I do about the events to unfold in this extremely strange uh, travelogue. So, turn off your lights and listen. And now? Lights out, everybody. Now, are you sure the trunk is tied on securely, Mr. Cab Driver? Yes, I'm good and tight. Ask him if he's absolutely sure, Julia. Are you absolutely sure, Mr. Cab Driver? Lady, so help me. If that trunk falls off, I'll give him a kiss. Now, just a minute, young man. That's your attitude. Oh. Let me warn you, my sister and I can always take another cab. A thousand. Lady, so help me. I ain't taking any attitude. Believe me, the trunk's tied on tight. You want to get to the dock in time? Time to drive slowly, Julia. All right, Emma, get in. Now, drive slowly, young man. Yes, ma'am. They might at least have come up to say goodbye. Now, Sister Anima, you know mighty well they're jealous of us. Every one of them. It's our cross and we must bear it. Mrs. McDonald. Mrs. McDonald is just like the rest of them in that house. She takes our rent each week. 
But she's as jealous as any of them. Young man, drive slowly or we'll leave your cab. Yes. Never should have stayed there. I told you that 15 years ago, when we first moved in. I remember distinctly saying, Emma, we shouldn't stay in a boarding house where there isn't a solitary soul above the status of a tradesperson. You remember I said that? Ask him if we'll get to the dock in plenty of time. Young man, we won't be late now, will we? I'll get you there, lady, so help me. Well, see that you do. Beneath us. No doubt about it, Sister Emma. Everyone's always been jealous of us. No doubt about it. <sighs> sea air should be good for our trouble. Don't talk about it. He can't hear us driving. No, I suppose he can't. It's been 20 years. Oh, why should we think about it? The sea air will blow it away. <sighs> Ask him if we're almost there. Young man... How much further? Practically there, ma'am. We got plenty of time. Half hour to midnight. I'll see to it that we get there in time or you'll regret it. Feeling at midnight. I don't like it. Don't talk like that. It was the only time. We're slowing up. Ask him what's the matter. Young man, what's the trouble? No trouble at all, ma'am. We're at the dock. The air will make me stop dreaming those dreams, don't you think so, Sister Julia? Hell, you don't talk about it. Hey, yeah, ladies. Got you in plenty of time. Ask him if it's the right dock. Sure it is, lady. Dock 11. Hey, uh, should I take your trunk off? No, no. I'll charge extra for that. And there'll be someone from the steamship company to do that. Uh, What's your fare? There it is on the meter, ma'am. A dollar and a quarter. Here's a dollar. A dollar. A dollar and a quarter, ma'am. You can see for yourself. The meter, the meter. I don't care what the meter says. Took much less time than I thought. But, lady... I don't want to hear any more about it. Come, Emma. Yeah. Now, lady, be... Stand to one side, driver. Let us out. Now, lady, if the meter reads a dollar and a quarter, I've got to collect a dollar and a quarter. Not another word. Question the trunk... Unfasten the trunk there and go about your business. But, lady, I got... Oh, I give up what... Are you sure it's the right dock, Sister Julia? Of course it is. See? Dock 11. Oh. What it says on the tickets. There's your trunk. Bum voyage to both of you. And that's the first portion of Lights Out. More after these words. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. This is Hollywood 360 broadcasting across the country on about 200 radio stations. And make sure you check out our website, Hollywood360radio.com. We have our full podcast there. We have our surprise boxes there. We have uh, pictures of uh, behind the scenes here producing the radio show, all kinds of fun stuff. Check out Hollywood360radio.com. And, and check us out on Facebook as yeah, well. Yeah, that's right. Facebook. Hollywood360radio. That's right. And we also have a free app. It's a classic radio app. It's yours free, folks. And it has 10 classic radio shows on it. How do you get it? Just go to our website, Hollywood360radio.com. Scroll down a little bit. You'll see a banner. And we have set this banner up, folks, so you can just click, and it'll take you right to the Apple Store, and it'll take you right to the Google Store, just right from our banner. Just click whichever one you want. takes you right there. You can download it for free, and you will get 10 free classic radio shows. Now back to Lights Out. Impudence, scoundrel. Left our trunk lying right there in the street. Save money anyhow. Get one of the ship's people to put it on. No one around. Strange. Everything's so quiet. 
And just before sailing time... There's a sailor. Ask him to take our trunk aboard. Mr. Sailor? Mr. Sailor? Here's you. You call me, lady? Ask him if he's connected with the ship. Are you connected with the ship? Yes. You want to go on board? We certainly do. Julia, look. People. Where did they... One minute there was nobody. And now so many people getting on board. Julia, ask him... I got your trunk this way to the gangplank. Yes, yes, of course. Come, Sister Emma. Don't have to tip on the thing, Sister Julia. Part of the service we get. I know, I know. This way to the gangplank, lady. Oh, got your tickets ready, Sister Julia? I got them, I got them. Walk quickly. Don't want to lose sight of that man with our trunk. This way, ladies. Boats so crowded, so many people. Nobody seems to want to look at our tickets. Well, that's all right, too. Come ahead, Emma. Your cabin, ladies. Ask him if it's the right one, Julia. Now, are you sure it's the right one, sailor? Your trunk's inside, ladies, all ship-shape. Very well. Come ahead, Emma. All right. Now, you don't have to tip him anything, Julia. It isn't necessary at all. Well, isn't much of a cabin. Much smaller than they told us. I'll speak to the captain. Oh, not now, not now. After we sail. Don't leave me alone in this place. Now, Emma. Now, don't now, Emma, me. You've got the same thoughts. Don't talk about it. Dear, Sierra'll do us both good that way now, won't it? Don't talk about it. There, we're starting. Yeah. All ashore, ashore. I'm going out to see a start. No, no, wait for me. Here, Emma, by the rail. They've taken down the gangplank already. I see, I see. That means we're free to the land and everything on it, doesn't it, Emma? Don't talk about it. Isn't it enough that for 20 years... We're starting. Ship's moving. How fast the dock and all the people on it are fading away. Yes, yes, they're almost out of sight. Julia. What? Did you notice all those people on the shore? Hmm? They were waving handkerchiefs, but... But but they were crying. Sister Julia. What? The, the time. What, what, what time is it? I don't know. Reach over and turn on the light. The ship's rolling so badly. I, oh, there. Hmm. Twenty minutes after two. The longest night. I haven't been able to sleep a wink. Why does the ship have to go so fast? That's all right. Taking us away from the cursed land. Stop saying that. Strange how for 20 years a face can come to one in the night. Stop, I tell you. I'm going up on deck. Oh, no. Don't leave me here. I'll, I'll go with you. Come ahead, come ahead, but keep your mouth closed. Are, are you going to get dressed? No, no. Just a coat. Find my slippers. Might be cold. Then stay here. No, no, I'll go with you. I, I got, got my coat already. Don't leave me. Come ahead. So quiet. Those might it must be the engine. Everyone's asleep. It's good to be getting away from the land. Here, up these stairs. Huh? Well, can't you see the sign promenade deck? Oh, oh yes, the deck. That'll be nice. And now. Don't fall. (sighs) 
Ah, I think we should go out there this time of night, Sister Julia. You like the cabin any better? Well, you were as much to blame as I. The blood, you said. Stop it. Come out here. The wind. You wanted to come out here. Where, where will we walk? Where does one walk on shipboard? Come. They drive the ship so fast. It's frightening. Then go below. No. Julia. Walk faster. I want to keep walking. Julia. What is it? We've been all around the deck. Well? And we haven't seen anyone. It's the middle of the night. But no one... What do you expect at three in the morning? A brass band? There should be someone. Go down to the room. Julia. Did did you hear that? Nothing but the wind. No. Something else. Nothing. Julia. (sighs) What's the matter? Over the side of the ship. Huh? No, you're crazy. There's nothing. But I saw... Nothing. I went to the rail. There was nothing. Oh, we shouldn't have killed him, Julia. We know. If I talk about it, maybe I'll find a little rest from the crazy thoughts that have been in my head for 20 years. Stop talking. Stop, you fool. Ever since that night, Julia, they've been tearing at me. Crazy thoughts. You're a fool. fool. Not such a fool. The thought of it's made you an old woman. I'm all right. You too, Julia. All these years, you've been afraid, too. Will you ever stop talking? At night, sometimes I hear you cry out in your sleep. No, I don't. You do, Julia, you do. You do in fear of him. Here? Why should I be frightened? You help me carry him down the steps to the basement, Julia, remember? Stop it! I'm not afraid. His bones, they're dust by now. Worms to care of that. You are frightened. You are Tell me that you are. You know you are. No, no, no. Get away from me and stop talking to me. Nothing to be frightened of. We're miles at sea. Water between us and the land. Miles between us and where we buried him. Why should I be afraid of something dead for 20 years? I'm not afraid. I'm not... What? What? Look! His face! His face in the sky! Emma, walk faster. This, is this the, the right car? Oh, get out of my way. Cabin, got to get the cabin. Close the door, lock it. Yes, yes, lock it. Can't hurt us if we're behind a locked door. It wasn't locked before. Oh, but that isn't our cabin, Julia. What are you talking about? Of course it is. No. I tell you it is. Julia, no. No, this cabin, here. Oh, oh, it's locked too. Got to get in. Got to get inside. Stuart! Let me in my cabin. Oh, no. No, you'll wake everyone up. Stuart, come here and let me in my cabin. Julia, no. Stuart! <gasps> no one, no one heard you. I'll make someone hear me. Let me in. I'll try another door. Now let me in. Please, let me in. Let me in. Wake up, somebody. Let me in. Oh, please open the door. Oh, open the door. Please open the door. Wake up, somebody, and let me in. Oh, let me in. Open the door, please. Up somebody and let me in, I say. Open the door. Julia, Julia. Let me in, I said. It's no use. But what do you mean? They'll never answer us. Huh? They what? found out about him. You're crazy. Come on, the next deck. Find someone to let us in our cabin. Stuart, 
Stuart! No, don't leave me. Wait for me, Julia. Stuart! Somebody! Somebody wake up! I want to get in my cabin. Oh, Julia. Sister Julia, wait. They've got to answer me. Look, that room. It says Chief Stewart. I'll show him not to answer me. I'll show him. Julia, what? Empty. And this one empty. And this one's empty, too. But Sister Julia. What? What have you found? Sister Julia. Stop waving your hands at me. Talk. The ship. Terry tearing through the night. Oh, don't you understand? We're alone. We're alone. It, it doesn't seem possible. We've been all over the ship. But what, what makes it go? <laughs> oh, stop, you fool. Stop, stop. Trying to drive me crazy as you are. I can't stand it out here. Walls closing in on me. I'm going out. No, no, stay here. Oh, no, let me go. Let me go. No, no, no. You won't go on deck. You won't go on deck and live. You won't leave oh, me. I've got to get out of get here. Get out of there. Oh, I'm not frightened. I didn't see his face. You did. Stay here or I'll choke the tongue out of you. Uh, oh, my neck. That's the way you killed him. That's the way. No. No, you killed him. You. I only held his neck. Your hand was on the knife. You stabbed him again. No. And again. No. And again. No, no. I'll go up there. I'll go up there. Emma. Emma, come back. Not on deck. Don't leave me. Don't leave me. Emma. Emma, come back. Don't leave me. Emma, where are you? Emma. Emma, where are you? I admit it. I am afraid. I am afraid, Emma. Emma, where are you? It's so dark out here. All these years we've been together, you can't run off and leave me now when I tell you I'm afraid. <laughs> Emma! Oh, Emma, Emma, you hate me. Go away. Emma, Emma, we've got to be together. Don't lie there on the deck. Get up. We've got to stay together the way we always have. Oh, you talked me into killing him. You did. So I did. So I did. But you and I have got to stay together, I tell you, until we get off this horrible ship. Listen, Emma. A ship can't go without men making it go. But we've been on every deck, and there's no one, only him. Him, him, you insane fool. How many times must I tell you he's dead and dust? But you saw his face. Imagination, nothing more. The night's so black. I admit I'm frightened. Of course I'd see the thing I didn't want to see. But how could the ship... Listen, and I'll tell you. A great ocean liner like this one, there are men in the engine room and men on the bridge. What if there aren't any passengers? It just means we got on the wrong boat. But no one... I tell you, no. there is someone. Someone up there on the bridge steering the ship. If there was no steering, we'd go in circles. Look, see how straight through the waves we're going? There's no one... Come up to the bridge and I'll show you. There's a man up there steering this boat. A man of flesh and blood. There must be. There must be. <laughs> I'm afraid to climb. But how can you know? A man must steer this ship. If there's no one there. No. So dark. I can't see. Yes. This is up where the steering thing should be. No, I'm afraid. In there. The wheelhouse, they call it. Yes, that's it. There's windows around it. You see someone in there? No, a wheel? No, no. There must be someone there. Come close, Emma. Look. Windows covered with mist. Look in there, Emma. Your eyes are better than mine. Tell me there's someone steering. No, no. Oh, no, no. Get out of the way. Let me close to the window. I'll see. Ah! Steering wheel. Emma. 
We are alone. I told you, I told no. you. No, no, stop the ship, stop. Where are you taking me? Stop. No use, Emma, stop. No use. Shut up for our sin. The ship won't stop. Oh, we confess. I confess. Yes, I confess. I killed the man. We killed the man. For his money. Twenty years ago. We did it together. We needed money. We needed money. He had so much. Stabbed him. I did. Cut him off. And we buried him in the basement. And no one ever knew. There. Confessed. <sighs> Now stop. Stop. Emma, you heard yes. the whistle. Someone is aboard. Yes. Who? I am. Oh, sailor. You. The man who took us on this ship. The same, madam. You. Who are you? The captain of the ship, madam. Captain. Captain? My unfortunate pleasure, madam. What? Where? If you will excuse me, madam, I must go in there. It is time to take the wheel. But there's no one. How could the ship... You will excuse me. It is time. You've got to tell us. You will step into the wheelhouse this way. I will set the course. You've got to tell us. Yes. What is this ship? Where is everyone? Why did you bring us here? North by east. I. That's the course. Will you answer me, Julia? Make him tell us. I'll go crazy. Say the captain, whatever you are. Tell us where we are. Tell us where we're going. We've got to. Where you are. Yes. On my ship, my lady. But what ship? Why did you bring us here? Because you killed a man for profit. <gasps> how? How did you... How did I know when one is as I am, one knows many things? As you are. Your other question, madam? Where are we going? Yes, where? You go to your doom. The man's insane, Emma, that's it. We're on the ship with a madman. No, madam. A dead man. You, you're, you're crazy. Julia, what, what do we do? What? Calm yourself, my ladies, and listen. Yes, listen closely. It's no more than fair that it all be very clear in your minds before it happens. What? This is my ship, and on a night like this many years ago, I stood here just as I stand now, my two hands tight upon the wheel. Julia, what's he talking Listen about? Listen to me. I stood here, and below the decks, asleep and trusting me, their captain, were 500 souls, 500 men, women, and their children. What's that cut? To do with us? Asleep, you hear me? Five hundred souls. I, their captain, my hands on the wheel, an empty sea ahead. Mine to make the course, mine to turn the wheel. I closed my eyes, I slept. I, the captain, slept. I didn't see, I didn't hear. A tower, a cliff of ice ahead. We crashed. I crashed and sank. Five hundred souls. And I, their captain. He is crazy. So the captain lost his ship and lost his life and 500 lives with it. And so we sail again tonight. What's, what's it all to do with us, with Emma and me? The captain who slept and died made a bargain with the devil. A good bargain to bring him peace and rest. What? On each year, my ship rises out of the sea again. Once each year, 
I sail it. Oh, Julia, why is he talking like that? I set the course the same as I set it on that very night. The wind, it blows the same, but with me now, not five hundred souls, but two. Two of evil like yourself. Well? We sail. My hands are on the wheel. And on and on, the ship, it tosses beneath her feet. I close my eyes again, just as I did that night. Suddenly, straight ahead, an iceberg. Julia, look! It's true. Something is ahead. Iceberg! My eyes are closed tightly, as they were that night. I cannot see it. I cannot. No, turn the wheel. Open your eyes. We'll crash. Crash! Open your eyes. Turn the wheel. No. My eyes stay closed. Don't you understand, you two? That's my bargain with the black one. Each year on this very night, I bring someone evil to the death. And for each one that dies with me this way, they blot out one of those 500 who drowned beneath me, taken off my soul. One of them for each of you. Open your eyes! An iceberg! Please! We'll die! Turn the wheel! No! I want you to die. You must die. Black one, listen. I give you two more evil ones. Two more! Strobler, whatever gave you the idea of such a story is bon voyage. <laughs> well, Frank, some of our stories are based on fact. Some are a mixture of scientific fact and fiction. And others are ghost stories founded upon unexplainable, but nevertheless apparently real happenings to real people. I think bon voyage shows what can happen in the minds of people who have an overpowering sense of guilt. Some say that there is an inevitable law of compensation. Who knows? And now, Mr. Obler, what about next week? Well, come to the bank. No, that's not an order. It's a title of next week's Lights Out presentation. Uh, supposing a woman came up to you, a, a small, mousy little woman, and said, please come to the bank. Would you laugh? Would you run? <laughs> but find out what one man did next week. Yes, tune in next Tuesday again for Arch Obler's eerie story of Come to the Bank. And that's Lights Out with Bon Voyage from November 10th, 1942, written and hosted by Arch Obler with Frank Martin announcing, sponsored by Ironized Yeast, as heard on CBS. Let's take a quick break, then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Next week, it's The Adventures of Christopher London, Life with Luigi, The Man from Homicide, Silent Men, Information Please, and Dimension X. From my team here at Hollywood 360, thank you all very much for tuning in. Stay safe. We'll see you next time. <laughs>